you know, story, old story, they said, well, you know, someone's saying, hey, I'm trying to cook a roast. And, and I just wanted to know, you know, why did mom have cut the two ends of the roast off? And so they said, well, it's because it makes it juicy. And these two young, young, young daughters are talking about it. And they go, well, let's call mom. And mom, why did you cut the two ends of the roast off? Well, I cut the two ends of the roast off because the pan I had was too small. And so I just had, I just, so we don't know until we ask more questions. And I think what we do is we just immediately assume that we have knowledge. We assume that we understand why mom cut the two ends of the roast off. We understand, we think we immediately understand why this person we prayed for didn't get healed or this person, this didn't happen. And instead of just asking another question that opens us up to a new revelation, we just go with that thought. This is why mom did it because it makes the roast more juicy. No, mom just had a small pan and we needed to add that knowledge to us in order to understand that we could use the big pan and keep the ends of the roast. Before we get started, I wanted to give a shout out to our sponsor, Proper Creative. They help me with our brand content and, of course, making our swag. They're the ones that ship it out to us. That's Proper Creative, and they work with any type of business, whether you're a big corporation or a small business or even running it out of your house. They will work with you, and they will help you and relieve a ton of liability and work from your shoulders. That's Proper Creative. You can follow them on Instagram, P-R-O-P-R, or you can go to their website at P-R-O-P-R. P-R-O-P-R-L-L-C.com. Let Proper Creative help you build your brand and sell direct to consumer, regardless of the size of your business. Proper Creative is definitely a good choice. Welcome to another week of Level Up with Matt Rogers. I'm your host, Matt Rogers. Thank you so much for tuning in, for downloading, for subscribing, and for joining us another week. I'm going to just preload this thing right now and tell you uh, we've never had a guest on the show like we do today. And you want to stick around regardless of your background, regardless of your faith. And even if the spiritual side of things freak you out a little bit, uh, take some courage and have some guts and stick around because you might learn something. Today, we are going to step outside of the normal realm of what we normally do with none other than a man I'm going to bring in in a second named Tracy Armstrong. I saw Tracy for the first time at my buddy's church. Um, it was, um, it, uh, it's now Connection Church in Corona, California. My buddy Jeremy Mercer out there had this guy, and I saw him, and I've never seen anyone like him. And I will just tell you this. I know that a lot of the spiritual side of church and uh, prophetic prophecy uh, miracles freak some people out because they've had some bad experiences. If that's you, don't go anywhere because maybe this is the point that brings a revelation to you to make it real. I think it is. I also think that the Bible is so filled with miracles and prophecy that you can't deny that it's real. People have screwed it up. We all can take credit for that in some way, faith, uh, shape, or form, but Today is a man that has been operating it uh, for so long, and the background of his story is so powerful that you would never think that he would get to where he's at right now. So the first time I saw Tracy Armstrong again was about six years ago, and he preached at a church and completely rocked my world. The Bible says you can tell if someone's really a prophet simply by if they say what happens actually comes true. Because, you know, we've all had people like, oh, the Lord spoke to me, a word of God says this, and it doesn't happen. It's like, oh, the, 
the word of God told me that your grandma's going to get better. And I'm like, dude, my grandma died like five years ago. What are you talking about? Uh, that's not this guy. So I'm going to bring him in. The one, the only Tracy Armstrong. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to come and hang out with you. And I just, I appreciate this. This is going to be fun. We're going to have a great, great time. Me too. And like I said, when I first saw you, uh, you look younger, man. You look young. You look good. Thank you. I like Thank the you. barrier buster hat you got on. Come on. We got to work. We got to work at all of it. If you don't work it, it's going to work you. <laughs> you got to keep yourself fit. And thank you. I like, yeah, this is my barrier buster. We can talk about that a little bit later. Yeah. Cause there, I mean, there's so much to you. I want to, I want to start with, with, with how you grew up how it started. But now, I mean, you're, you're so not one dimensional. Like we can talk about business. We can talk about uh, the Lord, we could talk about prophecy, we could talk about miracles, we could just talk about, you know, football or life if we want to do too. You have yeah. so many different avenues we can go down. Today, I really wanted to concentrate on that miraculous prophetic side. But uh, tell me if, I mean, is that how you grew up? Is that how you always were? Uh, tell the listeners, you know, you know, Tracy you know I was back always in intrigued with, with supernatural things. I think we all are. And we can tell by, you know, Star Trek, Star Wars. We like things that that have power or force behind it. I mean, the Mandalorian. I mean, someone gave me a little Mandalorian, the child for my Christmas, you know, because I'm like into the Mandalorian. Right. Everybody likes power. And the realization is uh, we grow up looking at power, superheroes, Avengers, all of that is made a play in society. So same with me. I've, I've always been interested in power. What is what is, is there anything more powerful than me? Am I the most powerful thing there is? Um, is there something or someone that can guide me, help me? I grew up as a, a Muslim. I, my mom is a Muslim and I grew up in Islam a good portion of my life. And so I prayed five times a day, just like every other Muslim would pray. Wow. And I wanted a response from God. I didn't want just to be able to pray, but I wanted to interact. I, so the reason I I stopped interacting with Allah because he just never talked back and he never showed any power. He never responded. I'm, I'm five, six, seven years old and I'm praying five times a day diligently. There's no other you know, five-year-old in my community that was doing that right. because I wanted to know that there was something more greater, more powerful than I. And um, I think it all, I think we all are engaged in it in one way or another. And we just have to be honest and, and then give permission for, for God to speak to us. Yeah. And I, th I mean, that's just, so many people would be like, oh my gosh, you know, you don't talk about Allah or God or anyone that way, but it's it's a real question that all of us have. Like, why aren't you talking back to me? Why am I praying for this and it doesn't, you know, happen? And so at what point did you say like, I don't think this thing's working. Like, I want more. Oh, seriously. I mean, literally I was, I, it came, it was just like an epiphany of a day where I said, well, this is just, I'm praying a lot. I mean, it just made right. sense to me. I'm praying a lot and you should just be able to communicate. You should be able to respond. And I don't know. I was just a little, little guy going, I talk to my friends. They talk back. I talk to my, my teachers. They talk back. I, everything in the world we do, we interact with. It has a response back. It's 2.0. Mm -hmm. How could we be okay with a 1.0 God where we aren't mm. actually, we, we, just, we just get information from him. We're not able to give information. to. There's no interaction. We have, a, we have a, a word or some kind of scripture that we have to adhere to, but we don't ever know if we're on the right track. That just doesn't make any sense. Didn't make any sense. There was that, you know, when my, my grandfather, who was my best friend, uh, passed away, 
I prayed, I prayed every day, you know, the Lord's prayer for him to get healed. Our father who's in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. I prayed and I said, God, if you can, and again, I'm a little guy. I'm, I'm confronted with God as a little guy. My mom's a Muslim, my grandmother, my, my grandmother's a seven-day Adventist, and my grandfather's a heathen. And so I'm confronted with the person I love the most dying. I can't go to Allah because I already realized he can't, he doesn't do anything. And then I'm praying to, praying to, you know, Jesus or mm-hmm. praying to God. And I I'm grew up in a, basically with my grandmother, uh, someone who didn't believe in miracles. I grew up in a world that didn't believe in miracles, but my thought was this, God, I, I created my bike, my bike. I actually, I actually built it. I didn't create it, but I built it. I put the wheels on it. I put the chain on it. I put the handlebars on it. I built it from scratch. And whenever the chain fell off, I could fix it. And that was my simple, my simple, my simple mindset. I can, I've created my bike you created me. You should be able to fix us. And when, when he didn't, I was like, I just, you know, I just can't even handle this. You, you don't do anything either. So I actually walked away from, from Christianity and I walked away from Islam. Wow. And, um, and so, I mean, yeah. but it's so real because look, man, I believe the way I believe, but man, I can't, my mom passed away. She was the biggest source of encouragement in my life. And I was living in faith and she was, you know, she operated in the Holy Spirit and we prayed and prayed and prayed and she still passed away. It hurts. It's real. It happens. What we do is we chalk it up to the character and nature of God to where it's like, oh, well, God just chose not to heal my mom. And what that does, and this is where we all got to be careful, is we lower the word to our experience instead of getting back in the word until we can change our circumstances and our experience to match his word. Wouldn't you agree? Exactly. You know, it's like anything. We have these circumstances in life and we do them to the best of our knowledge. And we think that the knowledge that we have is the knowledge that, that everyone has and it's the all knowledge. But when we learn that, hey, I didn't know that I could actually turn this, this room, that the room you're in now, I didn't know. I had no idea until I talked to you today that where, where you're sitting right now is a great sound sound proof room. Mm-hmm. It's perfect for the environment and it's self-made. Well, that's a new knowledge to me. That now makes me think of how I can have kind of a, a traveling, uh, you know, traveling <laughs> totally. environment, right? It's, it's, it's traveling soundstage. Well, so, so it's important that we have these new knowledge added to us or someone who, you know, story, old story, they said, well, you know, someone saying, hey, I'm trying to cook a roast and and I just wanted to know, you know, why did mom have cut the two ends of the roast off? And so they said, well, it's because it makes it juicy. And these two young, young, young daughters are talking about it and they go, well, let's call mom. And mom, why did you cut the two ends of the roast off? Well, I cut the two ends of the roast off because the pan I had was too small. And so I just had, I just, so we don't know until we ask more questions. And I think what we do is we just immediately assume that we have knowledge. We assume that we understand why mom cut the two ends of the roast off. We understand, we think we immediately understand why this person we prayed for didn't get healed or this person, this didn't happen. And instead of just asking another question that opens us up to a new revelation, we just go with that thought. This is why mom did it because it makes the roast more juicy. No, mom just had a small pan and we needed to add that knowledge to us in order to understand that we could use the big pan and keep the ends of the roast. So when you tried Allah, he didn't work. You prayed and prayed the Lord's prayer over your grandfather, the greatest source of encouragement in your life. That didn't work. What questions did you ask? What was the answers? 
Well, first, first, I didn't ask a very good question. Now, let's just be honest. My first question was like, okay, why didn't you do that? You don't know what you're doing. I'm, I'm out of here. And so I basically became an atheist. I went from, from that space of, okay, Allah, you don't answer, you don't talk, and God, you don't talk. You don't talk. You guys are like not engaged. You don't do things. So I just asked the next question is, what could I do myself? And then I became empowered with self. I'm a, I became a self-empowered person uh, that I could, whatever I think of, I can achieve. Whatever I can, whatever I can imagine, I could achieve that kind of, that kind of personality. And then I just became an atheist. I just became someone who didn't believe or who chose not to believe, but yet I was mad at him. It's amazing. You can be mad at someone that you don't believe in. And yet mm -hmm. we do that all the time. And a lot 100%. of people who consider themselves atheists are simply people who are just mad at mad at God not accomplishing a certain circumstance. And so there was a season of that. I, I mean, I got into drugs. I got into hard living. I mean, really hard living. And, and in order to get out of the hard living, I, I had a revelation. I had another insight, another moment that made me ask another question. Uh, there was a point where I was just really, you know, being kicked out of homes, uh, you know, couch surfing. I was at eight, just right around 18, 19 years old, going in and out of jail, uh, experiencing trouble, problems, selling drugs, all kinds of things. And then I had to ask this question. It was just a simple question. I asked this question, what would it, like, what would it be like to be a go-getter? And that, that question right there, because I, I, I was waking up smoking weed, <laughs> I was waking up dealing weed and I wasn't a go-getter, but I had to ask that question, what would, what would life feel like if you were an actual go-getter, someone who got up and went to get it. And so I started imagining that and I went after that. That's what changed my thoughts. And then a year later, I was in a car and I asked, you know, I, I got in a lot, I was still, I got in some trouble, had some lingering trouble. And I, I said, God, if you're real. Yeah. That was the next question. God, if you're real, show me. Then these questions, we always ask questions. If we don't ask questions, then we never gain new information. Most of us live a life of exclamations that really don't allow us to get the information we want. We exclaim, God's not real. We exclaim, this is not going to happen. We exclaim, this didn't happen because it's not real. Well, the realization is that's not, that's not a question. That's the exclamation. We need to ask questions, and then we get the right information. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, I, um, I wanted to ask, it's interesting to see how when you were, you were an atheist and you're pretty much at your spiritual low because you don't believe in anything. God's still calling you. He's still drawing on your heart yeah. to make yeah. you ask those questions. Yeah. Um, what, I don't know how else to ask this. So I'll just ask it. Why did that happen with you? But then you see, uh, one of the biggest outspoken atheists like Bill Maher or uh, Penn, I don't know his last name, from Penn and Teller, the magicians. They are outspoken atheists. Is God calling them too? Are they having those moments and not responding like you? Because I, I, These are just questions that come to my mind because I, I know it's real and it's really happening. What was it different about you? And is it happening for them too? We just don't see it? I think, I think it's happening for everyone who talks about God being alive and real or God not being alive and real. I mean, why, why actually have an outspoken life against something? I mean, that's ridiculous. I'm outspoken against, you know, <laughs> hot peppers. Well, why? <laughs> why? What, what's the problem? Well, one day I, I, I actually had a hot pepper and it burned me so bad. And I realized that they're not real. That's ridiculous. We, you, why be outspoken about something that <laughs> that's hurts such you a good but simple point. 
Like, okay, keep going. Sorry. It's just ridiculous. So the fact that you are so outspoken about it tells me that you, you know that it's true, but you want to convince yourself. You need to keep talking about it and you want to convince. And part of rationality is, is being rational is convincing a bunch of people your same way. So you collect people, places, and things to convince yourself and convince them and keep yourself in that steady way. So if you lose, if he loses all the people around him that are saying, yes, we want to listen to you, we want to hear you, and it, and people stop listening, he will then start thinking. But he doesn't have to think because he has enough people that are not thinking and he's thinking for them. And I think the realization, it's always drilled down the pain. It's every single time it drills down to someone has a pain that is so, it's, it's that person that, that, they, that was their number one encourager that died. That person, whatever it was, they have a pain because there's not, I never found an atheist that's just passive and they're mostly angry. They're mostly very intense about the idea. And if you, con- if you confront it, they get more intense. Well, why are you so angry about it? Why, why aren't you, why aren't you, why aren't you can't just be the kind that just runs through the, the fields with tulips, right? Because the realization is you have a, a personal place that's, that hurts and you don't want to be honest about it. And so you want to hide it. Wow. Cause I'm thinking of so many of my atheist friends that I know. Um, you know, my, one of my first bosses out of college, I'm not going to say his name because you know, always a chance that they could be listening, but he, he's an outspoken atheist and he told me straight up, like, I tried God. I tried the Holy Spirit. I raised my hands. I think he might have said he even spoke in tongues. And then he said, and I just realized it was all emotion. It was just my emotion. So I focused my, and I'm, this is him talking. So I focused my emotion on reality instead of the fake emotion. And I've accomplished so much more. And he, I mean, he is. He's very, very successful in business. And... um He's super smart, man. A lot of these atheists, they're so intelligent, like book smart. What, I guess my question is, like, for him, if he's listening, what's the difference? Like, how did you turn it around? Did God visit you differently? Did you believe differently? Like, what happened? What was the turning point for you? I mean, I think it's, again, I'm a very simple thinker, but I think it's pretty ridiculous to say, I tried God, I lifted my hands, and I realized it was emotional. Well, I went out on a date with my wife. I felt my heart flutter. I felt emotional. Okay, so I figured this whole relationship with my this girl is just all emotional. So I don't have a deeper conversation with her. I don't actually find out her hopes, her dreams, her, and I go past the ooh man, and you make me what? Look at you, girl. Shoot, I go past. I we have to some part sometime go past the emotion to find the intelligent. But before you can find the intelligence, you have to go to the emotion. You have to experience emotion. This is the difference between Allah or Buddha or any other. There's no emotion into it. There's all only intelligence. This right. is why people who say, well, I'm, they're smart people. But are they? Because if you only live, if you're three parts, if your body, soul, and spirit, which means emotion, right? If you're emotion, if you're, if you're intellectual, and you're physical, and, you're, and you have this depth of spirit, this sense of more than enough, this sense of faith, then if you don't use all of those parts, if you don't, if you don't use everything, then are you actually smart? If you only, I can accomplish a lot in just my will. The power, the willpower of humanity is amazing. But so, so is, you know, the poodle, my wife has a poodle. Poodles think at a, you can train them to think at a five-year-old age, but how come they can't go further? 
How come they can't go 10, 15? Because there's a limitation. Because the human thought process has a limitation. There's a limitation on it. But there's not a limitation on our spiritual. There's not a limitation on our emotional. That's Anyone true, who rejects man. emotion and spirit, they've rejected the higher levels of actual learning and growing. So you can actually, we can accomplish great things just by being great mind. But that's only one third of us. What, 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 what's the rest of us going to do? Okay, I'm physically strong as well. Okay, so you have that part, two thirds. What why, why are you missing the other aspect? The other aspect that makes you that makes you go to sleep and wake up with new ideas because someone's been something's breathed into you. Someone's breathing the breath of God. If you Come knew God on. could breathe in you, if God can breathe in you and give you intellect, then wouldn't you want that as well? Other than just talking to a bunch of friends and reading a bunch of books and studying a bunch of stuff, I get knowledge from God. I don't just have an emotional in relationship with Him. I have intellect. I have an intellectual in- interaction. Uh, with him. It's called koinonia. It's a Greek word. It means the inter- interaction, uh, intercourse of social le- at a social level. That's important. Anyone who wants, dude says this is just emotional, they are, are not real. They're not right. real with themselves because the realization is you are emotional about other things. You watch football and you get excited. You watch, uh, you watch someone, you know, walk down the aisle and you get excited. That's all emotional. And those are real relationships. You have to have an emotion to have a relationship. If you don't have a relationship with an emotion, you have a problem. So let me go to the next level with you, operating in, in the prophetic, in the miraculous. Um, first of all, how does God talk to you? There's so many people that are good people, good hearts, and they talk like you did at a young age, and they feel like God's not talking back to them. How do you hear the voice of God? Like you personally do you have a gift? Did God just choose you and not choose Sally, you know, Tom and Harry? What's the difference and how do you hear God? I'm going to start with a very simple aspect, I think. And I would say the first thing we need to understand about hearing God, it starts with a curiosity. So when you're a curious person, you're already starting to hear. It opens you up to hearing. It's like, it's like you hear, you hear, if you, if you feed yourself the same, the right information, you'll start picking up things. So if I'm sitting with you, and you and I are talking about something, yeah, the Doritos. We're talking about Doritos. And all of a sudden we hear someone on the, at the table next to us talking about Doritos. Guess what happens? Our heightened sense of awareness kicks into that relationship because it's very familiar with our relationship. So now we look over and they go, we, we, they're talking about Doritos too. Wow, that's awesome. We're all talking about Doritos. Well, the realization is that's how we hear God, is we get interested in things that he's interested in. When, when Moses was at the burning bush, uh, God called him over to the burning bush. And, he's, and, and then when he talked to him, he says, I too am, am, am concerned about the Egyptians. So God is, enters into I too conversations, I too conversations. Whatever you're concerned about, he wants to enter into that. We think God wants to talk about something that we're not interested in. Wow. So when I hear God, I am always, I'm, I'm, I try to find out what he, would, he might be interested in. I, I'm, I'm guessing, would you be interested in talking to this person? When I met you, I think you, you told me that I was walking around giving away a book or something. 100%. And, st- and my thought was, God, I said, God, who would this be good for? And then so I just walked over to you. I walked over and I felt like I, I felt a prompting. We get these promptings. We feel sometimes I need to turn left or right. In business, we use these terms all the time. I just didn't feel good about them. 
Well, you didn't realize that that's God. That's not just your, where's it? I didn't feel good about them. That's a spiritual conversation. That is not, I read their resume and I don't, I saw things on the resume I didn't like. like. No, you sat in front of them. You moved the resume to the side and then you had a spiritual encounter. I just didn't feel right right about them. I didn't feel, we use that, that's a spiritual word. I didn't feel like they were going to be good for the team. Well, when you speak like that, you're being spiritual. And when you're, when you, then you know, and you look for things that are, that are, that are, that open your awareness. And that's where the voice of God comes. So sometimes the voice of God is not like, thus saith the Lord. Right. I'm saying the voice of God is in a prompting in an impression in, 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 in confirmation within you of your curiosity. And is that where you would say, and I'm guessing, I'm not trying to set you up. I, if I'm wrong, correct me. Is that where you would say, trust for God comes in, not so much faith, but like trust, like I'm going to trust God is leading me in this way, or is that faith? Okay, so faith is the substance of things hope for the Bible says. So you have to first start with hope, right? So we're going to first start with hope. I am, I'm going to be a very hopeful, very, very, very optimistic person. Then the action that I have in that optimism is faith. So, so so I'm hopeful that you and I, you, we, talked on the, we talked on the phone about getting onto this call, and that was hope. But today we're, we're faithing it. We're fulfilling it with action, right. right? And we're making happen. So every moment is being dialed in to what we hoped for, but it was not in existence until we dialed it in. So you and I saw it. The difference was when I saw my mind's eye where you would be sitting was where I saw a picture you were earlier. And you sent me a picture of you doing a podcast with, with Rex Crane. Yep. Well, that's where I thought. But when I, when, when I saw it, I saw something different. I see you in a different, in se- different setting. This is the outworking. I have a sense that we're going to do certain things. We have a hope for it. But the realization there's new information that needs to come my way. And we need to be okay with God giving us flashes. You know, the person who, in, who invented Gillette razor, mm-hmm. right, Gillette. So yeah. he had a flash in his mind while he was cutting with a, a, uh, with a, with a straight razor. And he had this flash of a, of a disposable razor. That flash is prophetic. It's, he, can't, he has no idea where it comes from. It was a, a image that just came into his mind and his heart. When you, when you realize you have those images all the time, and we don't call them prophetic, we go, I just had this idea. I just right. had this flash. Well, it wasn't an idea because idea will be a collection of things that build to a, an a image. But a flash is something. It's an inspiration that comes from somewhere else. It's, it's, what, it's, what the, it's what the Greeks would call genius. I would say this, too, because flashes or intuition, whatever, happens to believers and non-believers. So for non-believers to say, well, I don't really need to pray to God because he's going to give me these flashes and stuff anyways. Rex Crane did show me, tell me something that really stayed with me, and I'd want you to you know, take this and run with it, is he said the, the principles of Jesus can bring prosperity. So he can give those flashes or anyone to an atheist or anyone and give them a business idea, and they could be super, super successful. But he said the person of Jesus brings you peace. And I know both sides. I know people that operate in the principles of Jesus, and they're prosperous, but they're miserable. And then I also have people that have the person of Jesus, but they don't operate in the principles, and they're broke, and they're you know, desperate, and they're begging for futons and on Facebook, and they're <laughs> people of God. Um, for you, you now operate obviously in both. You you were this you were this child that prayed to these gods and didn't answer, and now it seems like 
you operate in both. What would you say to the people that are saying like, okay, well, if I'm getting the flashier stuff in, I don't need your God because it's already built inside of me. Well, if I come to you for advice and you give me good advice the first time and I go and I use that advice and I don't actually keep coming to you because uh, I think you have more. Mm. Well, it doesn't mean I got it all because I can every once in a while get a flash. But what if I actually have more questions along with that one flash? What if I wanted to dial in and open it up? There was a gentleman, uh, old school gentleman who would have these flashes and companies would bring him in and he would go into the, this room and he would allow, he would allow these flashes to come to him and he would keep looking at it, keep looking, keep asking questions of it. And he, he said he was talking to the infinite intelligence. So you, you can actually use the relationship and have more and get into that personal place with it. Or you can simply just have flashes. Well, I don't want to just have flashes because it's like having a random breakthrough. Mm-hmm. I want to have an intellectual breakthrough. What we try to do in business is we have a breakthrough. We dial into what it what caused me to have that breakthrough so I can duplicate it and then I can franchise it or I can multiply it or I can you know somehow present it. That's important. You don't just have these one-off milli vanilla moments where right. you have a breakout song, but you want to have something that you can continue to come back to that becomes a science and an art. Right. Let me, so let me go a little bit deeper, I guess, on the religious aspect of, of all this, like, cause I think a lot of times people, Christians and non-Christians will use God, Jesus as like a bus boy, you know, yeah. a, 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 a way to pr- answer or unanswered prayers, but they don't really have that relationship. Um, yeah, I could tell you have that relationship with God, right? So taking that right. next step, you have these flashes, you have this koinonia with him. Why is the relationship important? Is it important so you can go to heaven one day? Is it important for here on earth? Is it important for both? Why? Why do people need to have a relationship with God? And like we say in church, accept him as your personal savior. Well, I mean, that's a huge dimensional, right? Because we need him on every aspect. We need him personally. Uh, I, for me, I need him. I need him because I know me. I know me emotionally. I was, I'm not a, a stable person without him. He did something to me. He didn't just come to me and say here, but he actually changed me. I mean, to take someone who was a drug addict, who was a drug dealer, who was a in and out of jail, who uh, didn't have his father, doesn't know his father, doesn't know his father's name, doesn't have a, didn't know what a credit card was until he was 21, uh, didn't know certain things. To take that person and then bring me to where I am today, that is not just someone who gives me flashes. That's someone who changed me. They helped, he helped me. So on a very personal level, a very rooted down here on the ground level, he, he, I needed his help. I needed his help to function. When I, when I got, when I got saved, I actually blew my mind out so much with drugs, LSD, crystal methane, cocaine. I had messed up my, I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember things. I mean, I had such a short term uh, memory loss. I just short term loss of memory. I didn't remember anything. Uh, He he did something to me to make me intelligent to, to, to be able to remember uh, I, I, then the realization is that eternity is a real thing. Something happens to us after we die. Right. We don't just lose breath. We, we have to have, 
we have other aspects of it. There's been a lot of science and a lot of spiritual stuff and a lot of science that shows that there's a life after death. Well, to engage that with God, to know that God has a plan for you, that this is a guided life here and it's a guided eternity, then that's important to have someone that, that is in your life. And then, then ultimately, emotionally, we have so many people breaking down this year and this season uh, emotionally. This depression is, is at its highest. We have suicide at its highest. You need to realize we need a stability. Just what, what's happening out there is not enough. So we need some, some anchoring in our soul. And that is something, that another aspect that God, what he brings. So I have, I have healing, health, success here. I have, I have restoration of my past. I have, I have establishment of my future. I have my conscience clean because my past. Some people are just just lose their mind because their conscience is broken. Right. He cleans my conscience by taking away all my sins, forgives me of my sins, and then empowers me with a grace to stop missing the mark. The word sin means to miss the mark. He empowers me to no longer to miss the mark, but I can be better, better husband, better, 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 better uh, dad, better friend. I can be better in everything I do because he empowers me. And that's the one thing uh, I think that most people, we talk about relationships in Christianity. Do you have a relationship with God? Yes, I want a relationship with God. But you know what else I need is I need power. I need power. I need to be more powerful than I am. We've seen just to get in some of the spiritual stuff. I've seen people raised from the dead. I've seen people step out of wheelchairs. I saw this last year, three people raised off of uh, life support. We see babies come back to life. And we, we see amazing and experience amazing things one-on, one-on-one. And I see people's destinies revealed and them living them out. I, I live the most incredible life because I get to see things that people think are mysterious and fake. I see them on a regular basis. If not daily, I see them on a regular basis. What would you say to people who think that God is love and he would never send his creation or kids to hell that we're all going to end up in the same place? You know, one of the things that it's important is that there are so many names of God and so many aspects of God. It's like, I am love, but I'm also a father who needs to discipline my children and help them live the best life that they can be and pull the best potential, the greatest potential out of them. So am I only love? Yeah, I am love, but love also has other things. Love doesn't just feed them. Love also helps them, trains them, teaches them, mentors them. Love has so many aspects to it. So I believe that God is love because that's who he is. That's his character. That's his being. That's the only word that he says, this is who I am. But love doesn't have one out, outworking. Love works itself out in so many ways. My friend Heidi Baker, she's in Africa. Her love feeds the poor. She takes care of 40,000 orphans a day. That's her love. Somebody else over here goes to work. You go to work and you will go to work to take care of your kids, take care of your family, or you're an entrepreneur. You start a business because you love your society. You want people to be healthy there and you create jobs for other people. That's also love. And then there's the judge that has to say to the person, I love you enough not to let you run on the street and kill people. And I love them enough not to let them run around and and be afraid of you anymore. So in my love, I have to be just. I have to have justice work right now. Love is also justice. And so I've now got to be just and I'm going to put you away from society while I give you an opportunity to realize of how much you love them to where you can miss something, right? That's love. And we, we, we put these one single 
aspects to love that I think is not, not realistic. It doesn't even work in our homes that way. I mean, so it's not realistic. We need to be a better, better thinkers. Like better thinkers in terms of like just thinking that God is love and we'll, doesn't matter really what we do, we'll all end up at the same place. Yeah, better thinking than that, please. Because realization <laughs> is, uh, then, you know, we can just toss everything away. We can just throw it all away and just forget about God. Why does he need to be around then? If that's the way, if that's what it is, we're all going to end up in the same place, then, then why do we even need God? Uh, the fact is, is he is a judge. He calls himself a judge. He calls himself, you know, that. So he has to have uh, rules, laws, jurisdiction, uh, a judicial, a judicial system, sets things in order. And the only reason he would have it, my friend Rabbi Lappin, he says, God sets laws to help us understand how the world works, not how we are controlled, but how the world works. The world works with thou shalt not kill. Because when you when you kill, something breaks in the world. When you thou not kill, then something lives in the world. Something right. goes well in the world. So God doesn't make rules to control, but he gives rules for our benefit to help us live a better life. I, I, I want to ask you this question one more time, and then I'll, I'll pivot, because I do have believers that believe this. And they would say, Tracy, if, 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 if love takes no account of a suffered wrong and God is love, then why am I going to, and Jesus died for all the things that I did wrong, why would I think that I'm going to stand before God and he's love and he's going to tell me all the things that I did wrong and then send me to hell? That's the thought process of some of my friends. Okay, so I, I wonder if they have children. Let's bring it back to. So, if you tell your children today, um, we're going to go to the, we're going to go somewhere, and I want you to, uh, we're going to go to Niagara Falls, and I want you to stay 15 feet away from the cliff. Stay 15 feet away from the cliff. You go to the cliff and you fall down that cliff. That cliff fall is not a responsibility on the parent, the parent told them not to do it. That's the child. Right. So that's, is that, is that love that, did you not love that child? You did, you told them exactly how to stay safe. You told them exactly how to stay away from the cliff. Maybe maybe this, this, this falling into and this stuff is, that we call judgment is more about the fact that we tell you to stay away from the cliff, use enough wisdom to stay away. When you go closer to it, you're now making choices that endanger your life because the God, the God didn't say, I'm going to send you to hell. He says, these are the way you go to hell. This is how hell happens for you. This is how problems happen for you. So you have to actually use enough wisdom to stay away from the cliff. Right. He's just warning us, stay away from the cliff. The cliff is there. But if you don't stay away from the cliff, I will mourn you. I will be sad that I lost you. But the fact is, is unless I tied you up and controlled you, then there was no way that I could have prevented that. There you go. Let me, uh, so before we wrap up, I do want to talk about the miraculous, the prophetic. You operate in the office of a prophet. What does that mean? Well, it's, it's, that's a, that's a big question. Office of, of anything like a called person. So there's governmental positions. There's people who are like, uh, govern in our government. We have people who are, we have, of course, our president. Then we have people who operate in their specialities, of, of security and, you know, leading, leading military or whatever, over school or education. We have all of these positions, these offices, and they are specialized. They're specialized for a specific interaction for the president to interact. So if the president is going to call something together, he's calling his cabinet. Mm -hmm. Everybody on that cabinet in the cabinet seat has a specific place and a specific role. A prophet has a specific role in hearing and seeing 
for, for the sake of sharing to the world or whoever he wants God's thoughts, feelings, and intentions. So God wants his thoughts, feelings, and intentions to be known. And a person in the office of a prophet has specifically sharing God's thoughts, feelings, and intentions at his level. Now, in that, in that office, in the higher dimension, there's people who operate in prophecy, the gift of prophecy, who will edify, encourage, and exhort. It's not quite the same. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's similar, but not quite the same. So if I'm operating in the gift of prophecy, uh, the prophecy is going to come through me, and I'm going to edify, exhort, and encourage. Now, the office of a prophet will be completely different. It can actually shift things the way things are happening. In 1995, I went to Rwanda. I was on the edge of – I was in the uh, Rwanda refugee camp right off of in Tanzania. There was 800,000 refugees there. And the Lord spoke to me as I was in prayer. He said, I want you to tell these pastors, I was meeting with pastors, a thousand pastors in the day, tell these pastors if they repent of their murder and of the genocide that they cooperated in, I will stop the war and they will go home. So I stood up in front of them as a prophet in the office. Now we're dealing with governmental things. We're not dealing with just, hey, you're going to get a car or you're going to get a house or you're going to marry this person. This is now a governmental platform dealing with kings, dealing with, you know, higher level. And I, and I gave them that, that prophetic word. They all kneeled, repented. And within two weeks, the Rwanda war was over. They went home and then I get, I get, I get emails and I get, well, mainly just, uh, correspondence from them saying your prophetic word stop the war we are now home and it happened exactly the way god said it now that's an office of a prophet you're dealing with kings elijah dealt with kings they're dealing with higher level things that deal with how the world is going to run at those greater levels and the greater places of authority and i've also seen you when you preach walk up and down the aisles like you said you know he mentioned it about 10 15 minutes ago when he gave me the book i saw tracy for the first time and um preaching at a church there's about a couple hundred people there and he's walking up and down the aisle it's like one of those things where your heart's beating and you're telling yourself like matt i hope he stops and says something of me and then he walks by and he passed me and i was like oh and then he stopped and turned around and then my heart started racing he goes yeah god wants me to give this to you and you gave me your book called followership it's one of the best books i've ever read we all have books on leadership and those are important i've read a ton of books on leadership this is the only book not because i'm narrow-minded and i don't read a lot of books but it's the only book that i've ever seen that is about followership and how we're all following something and choosing the right avenue the right person to follow and you share some personal stories there and it's it's helped me so much to be a better follower because before we can be a good leader, we got to be a good follower. And as we're constantly leading, we're also constantly following something. And you gave me that book and uh, you didn't know this, but it's changed my life in more than one way. So uh, that was definitely a prophetic act that you did and you gave it to me and I'm glad you did. I'm glad I got in the room, baby. With, with that being said, because I've seen you operate, you know, you just said a story of how you operate in the office of the prophet. And then I've seen you like that operate prophetically. Would you say those words? You that, Tell me this. One, is it God's will for everyone to be healed? And two, what's the craziest miracle you've ever seen where you were just wow. like, yeah, God, let's go. Wow. Wow. Okay. So th- yeah, I believe I believe it's God's will for everyone to be healed. I believe God's pre- prepared for 
everyone to be healed. It's, it's, it, there's a lot of dimension to it. We need to learn how, how to receive healing. I don't teach people that God heals. I teach people how to receive the healing that God has for them. Yeah. And that's why we see so many people healed. We see a lot of people healed and we've seen, um, Gosh, wildest miracle. Well, one that just popped in, you know, just kind of just jumped <laughs> yeah. at me. We were, we were, I was with some friends, Georgie and Banoff. I don't know if you ever heard of Georgie and he's, he was a musician. He's platinum, 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 uh, out of escaped Bulgaria, uh, communist Bulgaria and came and did music here in America. Wow. Um, but he, I was with him and we were doing a service and all of a sudden we just had this, this idea, a little pop or flash, whatever it may be. You know, we want to pray for family, friends, people that you that are not here in the service. Uh, we want to pray for them. We want to pray. So can you call some family members that you know need a miracle? And let's put the phones in a basket. It's really <laughs> wild. It's really strange. We put the phones in a basket. And then so we started praying. We prayed over the phones in the basket. And one of the people on the phone was a woman whose, whose baby was declared dead. And she, the baby had lost... Jeez. Uh, you know, lots of weight and there wasn't um, any signs of life. There was nothing there. Uh, so within, after that prayer, the next morning, the baby was kicking. She went and they measured the baby. The baby was full size of what it was supposed to be and came back to life. And the baby, you know, she's now, I think, eight or nine years old now. So she, that, that was from a dead baby in a womb that had no life, that had you know, they were going to prepare to take the oh, child. Oh, okay. So she was to, pregnant uh, with the baby and the baby was dead inside of her. Yes. Wow. And the baby now is alive walking there. Now that's one of the wildest things I've ever encountered. Prayer through phones, you know, <laughs> in, not in, in proximity, you know, baby that was, that was dead, uh, not action. I mean, they were going to remove the baby Yeah. and now the baby grows. I don't remember the exact size that it grows, but it grows size and weight within, you know, the morning by the morning. And then, you know, the child is born and lives today and healthy. That's, that's probably one of the wildest ones I've seen. Uh, I, just, I love it. I ask because those, those encourage me because we're all battling something and some, you know, whether it's, you know, relational, I'm on the, you know, verge of a divorce or my kids don't talk to me anymore or I've been sick for 10 years and this thing won't go away. Everyone's going through something and I just always like to share those stories because they encourage people and God is a God of anything is possible and that's for you too. It's everyone and everyone. Uh, everyone and anyone is invited. And uh, I'm bummed that we got to end but there's Thank so you. many more things I want to ask you. Will you this come is, back? This was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime. Anytime. I love it. I love it, man. Well, thank you so much. Tracy Armstrong, where can people follow you, see you, and can they connect with you? Like, do you talk to the commoners outside of the world <laughs> or they have to come see you? Like, how can people connect with you? Yeah, there's 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 several ways. Of course, uh, Instagram is going to be easy. Tracy Armstrong, just search for my name, E-Y-T-R-A-C-E-Y. Armstrong. Uh, that's easy to, to get me. My website is the same, tracyarmstrong.com. And um, yeah, I interact with people on Facebook as well. Same, tracyarmstrong.com. Uh, if you go to Facebook, I'm also uh, at Influencers Coach mm -hmm. on Facebook. So you can, you can find me there. And I interact on all of those, those platforms. 
Yeah. And, and if, if people go to barrierbuster.app, they can get a full Barrier Buster, Breaking Through Limits, Overcoming Boundaries, um, free. I have a I have an ebook and I have a five five video course and a free app to help you go to your next level. This is a New Year's thing for you to do and it's absolutely free. Okay, so tell me right now, if I do that, how can you make my life better. I'm 42 years old. I'm a father of three. Uh, I love the Lord and I followed you from a distance. I don't know you too much personally. I just know that I like you and I believe you. And, uh, well, how can you make my life better? My podcast better. If I start following you or interact, like what, what's going to happen? Well, you know, there's so many things that happen. We, we use, we use both the, the hope and the faith, right? Hope is the ability to have optimism, excitement. And of course, that's just that positive motivational side. And then we use the faith side, which is what actions do I need to do now? What massive uh, interaction with my life, the engagement do I need to do now? And so we help you break down action plans as well as, as faith. And we help you make the right choices and, and give you the actions that will multiply you. So if you go to, if you just, anything I do is about results. I need you to have results in order to, to actually help you. So it, we will, we will start with that. We'll start with focus. We'll start with objections or your objectives, and then we'll, we'll continue to build on that. So if you go to, if you go to Barry Buster, there's five things that I've worked with entrepreneurs over the last 20 years and these are the these are the consistent five things that I've seen them go either from like a worked with Joel Luce for a long time. Joel's a friend of ours. Mm-hmm. Joel and I have been partners in in business and we work together. But I've seen Joel go from where he was in sales to now uh, owning companies, right? And so we've seen that kind of flex in people's lives and just growing in who they are so that they can do what they dream of doing. I love it. And for those of you who don't know Joel Luce, he's a uh, he's a big time business owner. So you wouldn't know him because he's not out there too much and that's by intention, but uh, he's a good man and uh, he's very, very successful and you've definitely helped him. Well, thank you so much. I want to be your friend. Can we keep in touch? Yeah, stay in touch, man. I like this. I like hanging with you. I like how you think and I like like what you accomplish. So let's do some stuff together. Amen. All right. Well, there you have it. Thank you so much, Tracy Armstrong. And thank you all for tuning in another week of level up with matt rogers and again today was tracy armstrong the man the myth the legend we'll see you guys next week make sure you like subscribe and comment because that's how this thing keeps going thank you all so much 